Hello everyone, welcome to Chomping After Dark, the podcast where we deep dive into the stories of our favorite video games, and also the occasional movies, TV shows, and comic book series. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I'm immensely excited for today's episode. Created in 1943 by Disney, these two characters have been on many an adventure. They have waxed and waned in popularity, but recently haven't seen much shine in the spotlight. But 2022 will be their year of being in the zeitgeist if I have anything to say about it. Let me see if this hits the nostalgia chord for any of you out there. Sometimes some crimes go slipping through the cracks. But these two gumshoes are picking up the slack. Rich! There's no case too big, no case too small. When you need help, just call. Chip-chip-chip-chip and Dale. Rescue Ranger, chip-chip-chip and Dale. Wednesday's danger. All right, that's enough. Before that was fun. We We're good at songs. We're probably we going to get copyright stricken. We might as well take this episode down. Nah, I'll... There was enough commentary, and it was horrible enough that I think we'll survive. It was pretty but bad. It was garbage, yeah. I can't sing. We're going to auto-tune that, right, Josh? <laughs> oh, I'll, yeah. I'll get on it. But yes, today we're going to be talking about Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, the 2022 movie. But before we get into that, let me introduce you to the crew. First, I am joined by a weird amalgamation of Archon the Magnificent, Wilbur Robinson, Gergi and Amher Slade. Please welcome to the show Ogham. I mean Rich Meister. Rich, how you doing today? Yes, I am Rich Meister, and I would never in a million years eat whale. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's good to hear. You know, so your weird amalgamation that I made for you, do you recognize all four of those characters? Um I re- no. <laughs> Do you recognize Archon the Magnificent? I do, but I can't place what Archon the Magnificent is from. Like, it's one of those things when you hear it, you know you know what it... You know what I mean? Does that yeah, make sense, yeah. or do I sound like I'm talking in circles? No, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, you know Marvel Comics, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. So he is the warlord and ruler of the extra-dimensional world of Polamachus. And he was in issue number 75 of The Avengers... That was his first appearance in 1970, and uh, that's him. I do know Archon the Magnificent, but you know what's more amazing is probably through my brain for a loop more than anything. One, that's such a deep cut of, like, i be like, I know the name, but nothing else. And two, uh, you making a Marvel Comics reference to me uh, is, is, like, just throwing me for a loop in general. Dude, I, I, I just did a little bit of research, and I was like, you know what? This movie has a Marvel character. Let me go dig deep into the archives to find one that Rich may or may not know. Sure. But, um, yeah, I, I dug for a lot of lesser-known characters. Do you know what Wilbur Robinson is from? Think about the last name. It's a um, Disney movie. Is it from Meet the Robinsons? <laughs> Bang, got it. What about Gurgi? This sounds like it's going to be some fucking obscure He-Man or Thundercats character that I've forgotten about. It is from the 1970s hit Disney movie, The Black Cauldron. 
I have only seen okay, that's an interesting one solely because I don't know if you guys have seen it. I've only seen the Black Cauldron like twice. I love that movie because it's really hard to even get a copy of. It's such an underrated Disney movie. I love that movie. It's really dark too. Oh, sorry, it's in the 1980s, not 1970s. I apologize, but yeah, it's such a good movie. I love that one. And Amos Slade. This is from a 1990s Disney movie. I don't know this one. Uh, it, the Fox and the Hound. That's a, he's, that's the, a, he's the I hunter think... who owns the hound. Okay. Hmm. I've, I, I only have like oh, a very... Oh, sorry, that was 1980s as well. Damn. Damn. I have a very cursory knowledge of that movie, so I'm not surprised that one eluded me. Yeah, no, that's okay. But like, there's a reason why I made you an amalgamation, which we will explain further we get into the show. Sure. But I'm glad you're here, Rich. Yeah, so am but, I. This, this is a, it's so weird how eager all three of us were to talk about this movie. I know. I know. I know. It's exciting. But next, I have to introduce somebody else. I'm also joined by yet another weird amalgamation of Ling, Captain Gantu, Fifi the Feather Duster, and Audrey Ramirez. Please welcome Liga Fidre. I mean, Josh Fowler. How you doing today, buddy? Little stinky, but we're 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 good. We've uh, <laughs> I've not had water. We've not had potable water in our house for the the beginning of this week. Week, and it's uh, it's starting to get to me. I'm just uh, I'm smelling too much like a human, and uh, <laughs> not not a, ugh, that's gross, that's yeah. disgusting. You being a human and all, mm-hmm. humans are revolting. But no, Josh, same question. Do you know where any of your characters are from? Let's start with Ling. Oh, that's a little that, bit easy. That, that's, that could literally be anything. It's from a Disney movie that came out. I, in I the kind 90s of assumed these were all Disney references, given yes. for licensing reasons. Yeah. Um, even even though that wasn't the case for quite a few of the properties in this thing, but yeah, I kind mm. of assumed we were on a Disney trip there. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you need a hint, I got gotcha. you. It's the yeah. is, is that the skinny one or or the the fat one of um, Mulan's sidekicks? It's a skinny, skinny. one. It's a skinny yeah, one, right? It. It's a skinny yeah. one. Yeah, I couldn't remember which name went with which, but good job, yeah. you got it. How about Captain Gantu or Gantu, however you want to pronounce that? Some of two thousands. The main antagonist of Lilo and Stitch. Okay, Fifi okay. the Feather Duster. Well, yeah, that one is uh, obviously Lumiere's uh, Paramore. Yes, in Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. Good job. And this one, I will be surprised if anybody gets this. Audrey Ramirez. This is from one of my top three favorite Disney movies of all time. That's the lady who lives downstairs. <laughs> I the will name give you a hint. So familiar, but I'm not. I'll mm. give you a hint because this one's really difficult. The main protagonist is voiced by Michael J. Fox. Is it from Atlantis? Yes. Good job. Atlantis, it, the Lost uh, Empire. The, um, it's the, the younger girl on the crew, right? I can't yes, remember. Yes, yeah. okay. she's the mechanic that radiates. The mechanic, yes. Yeah, yeah. That radiates, uh, I don't know if it's bi energy or lesbian energy. Head? No, she has black hair. Black hair. She has a pigtail. It's been so long since I've seen that movie she always wears like a cabbie hat yep 
a blue cabbie hatch. Atlantis and is a good fucking movie. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that is such a. I enjoyed it, but it's been ages that. since I've seen it. It was one of the first DVDs I ever owned when I was a young Ooh. teenager, so I used to watch it like once a week. Oh, yeah. Love that movie. It's a but, fun story. There was almost an Atlantis ride in uh, Disney Parks, but it was abandoned when that movie did not do well. That is true, unfortunately. You are absolutely right about that, and that broke mm-hmm. my heart. But, Josh, I'm glad you're here. Smell and all. And last, we must enjo- er, enjoy introduce a new coming guest to the show. Uh, I am joined by the Wonder Boy, Mr. Kazuo. Hi, Kazuo. Hi. How are you? Good. Good. Are you excited to talk about Chip and Dale? Yeah. Yeah? Good. I'm excited to have you here, buddy. (laughs) Really quickly, before we get started, Kazuo, I have to do one short thing. So from this point on, there will be spoilers. If you are concerned with getting spoiled on the movie, please go watch it and come back to listen when you have finished. It's a quick watch, but now... Turn the lights down low, slip into something more comfortable, grab your favorite stinky cheese, and sip on an exquisitely flavored beverage as we tell you a tale by the fireplace. So, Kazuo, I have a quick question for you. Which character is cuter, Chip or Dale? Mmm. Mmm. For me, um, they're hmm. both cute. Yeah, they're both cute. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, why is Chip cute? Well, he's like he, he's a hard worker, right? Yeah, like he's a hard yeah. worker. He's a really hard worker, and he is great at solving mysteries. Yeah. Yeah, he's really interesting in that way. How about Dale? Why is Dale cute? Well, because cause sometimes he, he solves some cases like he and when he and when he solves the case that he can solve. Uh, but uh, he's really hard worker, like he is. Mm. That's true. Yeah, he's he's a really hard worker too, and he's really funny. Yeah. He's super funny. Yeah, I I like uh I like Chip and Dale a lot. Did you like Ugly Sonic? Um a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good answer. That's a good answer. I, I think that's the perfect answer. What did you so what did you think about the stinky cheese? Did the stinky cheese make you hungry? Mm, a little bit. It's it's not really as hungry. Like when I saw it, it it, it was like, eek, eek, eek. I want to eat in your stomach and make your stomach feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I I have to be honest. I was only a little bit interested in the stinky the cheese as bit. well. A little bit. It seems alluring. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you like when Chip and Dale rap with the snake? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was okay. <laughs> okay, let me ask you one one last question, Coswell. Let me think of a really good question. Hold on. 
Or Rich, do you have a good question? While I'm thinking. Kazo, would you ever eat whale? No. That's the right answer. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. Kazo, I have a really good question. If you could solve a mystery with Chip or Dale, who would you choose? Yeah, because he's funny. Ah, you yeah. So you can be the smart one, Cosmo, and Dale can be the funny one, right? Yeah. I think that's a great Perfect. answer. Cosmo, thank you so much for being on the show. Rich, let's give him a round of applause. Thank you so much. Thanks for stopping by, bud. Okay. Thank you for thanks for joining us. Bye, Cosmo. Bye. That was really fun. <laughs> I mean, that should do it. Let's wrap it up, right? Yeah, we're done. Uh, thank you so much for being here. No, I'm just kidding. No, that was uh, Cosmo, Josh's son. That was the first appearance he's ever made on any of our podcasts. And in uh, in in 20 years, uh, when Josh is in a home, uh, he'll be <laughs> he'll be editing these shows. <laughs> he will take over the duties that Josh uh, had, and he will also be cleaning be cleaning the duties out of Josh's. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Diapers and underwear. Yeah, exactly. It's not a full service home. <laughs> no, no. It's actually just his house. <laughs> That's right. But no, um yeah, that was fun. That was a fun first time interview of Mr. Kazuo. Um glad he was here. He had some great answers. Mm-hmm. Good insight. Yeah. <laughs> I really like his stance on eating whales. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Josh, could you hear everything that was happening? Yeah, I've got semi-open cans, so okay, kind of kind of bleeds a little bit, which is a problem for editing otherwise, but helpful in these situations. Helpful in this exact situation. Yeah, exactly what was needed in this situation. But let's get into the story now. So here we go. The movie starts off with a world co-populated by humans and cartoon characters. We meet Dale a cute chipmunk going to a new elementary school. He botches his introduction to the class, and nobody wants to talk with him. Chip introduces himself during lunchtime, and the two become fast friends. After discovering their wonderful chemistry and great friendship, they later move to Hollywood. They do the Hollywood actor grind until they are offered to star in the successful television series Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers in the early 1990s. When Dale gets his own show, Double O Dale, the two have a falling out and both of the series end up being canceled. So what I want to point out early on and discuss with you guys is the onboarding of this movie. Rich, how much knowledge do you need to have of Chip and Dale before going into this movie? Uh, I mean, none is is the key answer. Um, this movie is is I think really enjoyable, regardless. Of course, it's hard for me to say that with authority because as the the three of us were all kind of right around the right age range to really have an appreciation for Chippendale Rescue Rangers in the 90s. Like, I'm sure we all watched plenty of it as kids. I actually watched Um, next to none of it, so... Really? Yeah. Oh, that's... Yeah, no, it's... I I have a a fondness for that show, but I I don't think it's, like, required viewing for this, because this ends up being more of a a satire on reboots that I think is done really well. Right, yeah. So, Josh, with how little is actually needed 
for onboarding of this. Do you think this example should be the gold standard of a reboot such as this movie is going forward? I don't know. I, I, it still doesn't really feel like a reboot to me so much as... I don't, I don't know what it feels like. It's, like a dissection of reboots. Like it's a spoof of that sort of culture. And I, I think if, if every reboot becomes that, then... It might be a like bit a, much. Yeah. yeah. Um, if everything was, you know, kind of all winking, all nodding all the time. Well, I, I think every reboot should have a shot of the characters digitally inserted into an episode of Full House, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that was awesome. But no, I, like, I'm, I'm alluding less to the fact that they're satirizing reboots but more along the lines of that they re- that this movie requires so little onboarding and i realize that in part is a direct result of the satirizing oh, yeah. of this movie but a big so part in terms of, of approachability t- yes yeah exactly. yeah no absolutely i don't i think it's generally better that way and then assuming you're gonna know what's going on ahead of time Um, And I think hmm. that's what you want as someone making something like this. Like, it's a thing that you want to build a new audience, but also bring back that core audience who's like, oh, the the thing I liked when I was a kid. Like, yeah, yeah, I think I think there's room for the. I I don't know, I I think you kind of. You can do both, you just have to kind of. Know what you're making. Well, well. Yeah, know what you're making, but also, like, make the decision and live with it. Um, Like, honestly, I think one of my least favorite things about something in that reboot space, kind of, you know, it's it's an adaptation, is, like, in the MCU, when a new character will show up, and you're like, okay, I feel like I'm supposed to know who this person is, but then you know they're going to retcon half of it anyway, so do you need to know who this person is? And it's always kind of a weird experience like you feel like you're not in on the joke but Hmm. also if you are things will be changed anyway so like is it worth being in on it it's 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 not like not that it never works but it is definitely a thing that they kind of try to have it both ways in the mcu a lot of the time um i i think you're right about that if i may interject because i've seen that kind of permeate other things too like star trek um, some of the new t- TV series that happens a lot in there as well, where these characters suddenly appear that were from older series and they don't mm. always get an adequate explanation as to why they're there. So you have the, you know, the Uber Trek fans oh, who yeah. I'm sure are cheering and wh- hooping and ho- or whooping and hollering at their TV screen. Like, fuck yeah, they're in here. But then like the person you know, shows up and int- they leave 10 seconds for the audience applause. Right, exactly. <laughs> they're like, thank you. They're they're bowing, putting yeah, their hands yeah. out, acknowledging <laughs> the audience that isn't there. But yeah. no, like, you're right about that MCU thing where there have been so many times where I've been to the theaters watching and there are people like cheering and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is going on, you know? And I think that that happens a lot in, you know, reboots or even newer movies that are pulling from older material. And that's why I really liked that's one of the reasons why I really liked the onboarding of this movie um is that they didn't do that, and the other thing that I think they did really well is that they wove the old um they wove the old material in 
into the movie in such an interesting way. It wasn't like a, like a just, you know, they used to be this and it wasn't like that. They wove it in a, into the movie in a, in interesting and intellectual way. They did it in a way to where they didn't assume that the audience is stupid and not going to understand it. They did it knowing that the audience would get it. And they they bridge the gap so well to where it's it's a readily available for all age ranges and all I I would say intellect levels I guess I don't know I don't know the right way to say that but basically I felt like it was smart enough for people for older viewers but interesting and cute enough for younger viewers as well I guess that's what I'm trying yeah. to say at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I do think it kind of nailed that by... It's, it's wall-to-wall references, but they are... They... they don't feel like they're the point. Like, they're still, like... The plot is kind of... Doesn't rely on you knowing any of the references that appear. And 90% of the jokes still land whether you are in on the reference or not. Yes, like, right. And that's even true of the beginning when they weave in the initial Chip and Dale TV series from the yeah, 1990s. Yeah. Um, you you know, of course, there are people like you guys and me a little bit who have watched some of the TV series or a lot of the TV series and have a lot of nostalgia tied with that. So when you see them kind of referencing that at the beginning... Yes, it's great as someone who viewed that before, but also it's not necessary either. And I think that's what's so cool about this movie is that, to me, it is such a high quality of onboarding that I was just thoroughly impressed. And it got me into the movie immediately, how how well they did the onboarding process. So I wanted to point that out early on. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, yep. let's jump back into the story. So, 30 years have passed, and Chip is now a successful insurance salesman. Dale spends a majority of his time on the fan convention circuit to mix success. The two's lives are interrupted when they are contacted by their old co-star, Monterey Jack. He has gotten into big trouble with the criminal Valley Gang due to his stinky cheese addiction. Monty warns the pair of a trafficking operation where tunes are kidnapped, have their appearances altered, and are shipped overseas to produce bootlegs of their works for the rest of their lives. He tells them the tragic story of Flounder, which honestly is too horrific to recount here on this podcast episode. I, um... I'm still reeling from that revelation, but um, I digress. I'm sorry. Anyways, the two chipmunks briefly He's home part now, buddy. He's safe. <laughs> the two chipmunks briefly part ways again until Dale is contacted by the police. He calls Chip to let him know that Monty has been kidnapped, and the police want to ask them questions. Officer Ellie Steckler, one of the officers who questions them reveals herself to be a movie or excuse me to be a massive rescue rangers fan i don't know why i wrote movie there a massive rescue rangers she's fan. a cinephile yeah she is and with the police's hands tied she suggests 
to Chip and Dale to reunite to investigate on their own. So, Rich, one aspect of this movie that I really enjoyed was all of the cameos, which is something we were just talking about very briefly. So, let's get into that in a little bit more detail. From Ugly Sonic to Flounder to Baloo, I was always surprised by who showed up next. Were all of the cameos detracting, or did they enhance the experience? Oh, the the cameos are half the fun of it. Like, I mean, when I was talking to you guys about this movie initially when it first launched like the first thing i said was it feels like a sequel to who framed roger rabbit and i think it holds true in that like all the way through and it does it has such fun with the characters um particularly i was uh telling you guys in private that i really think most news articles buried the lead with not only is ugly sonic in this movie in what is arguably a prominent role he's voiced by tim robinson which only adds to the the gravity of the performance and like zoom in shots on his weird human teeth um i love i love that to that zoom in on that (laughs) yeah it's just a zoom and hold on his teeth um but there's so many weird background gags on top of like the presence of characters like lumiere and tigra um and just all sorts of weird things going on particularly in that con that they use twice in the film there's a lot happening there yeah um there's some really great uh billboard ads it Mm. I, i think those the cameos just add to it and uh i <laughs> i was gonna save this till the end but maybe i don't know if you guys want to touch on it now the bootlegged characters there's some really good edits in there like bambi as pegasus from hercules or bonkers oh, I missed like a that walrus. completely yeah yeah, there's some really good standouts, and I, I was telling you guys, I, I watched it for the second time, like, just before we recorded this, so I have a lot of them fresh in my mind, and I was just kind of glancing at the background a little more than I did in my first time through. Yeah. Um, I believe it was Pooge the Honey Bear was their, their Winnie the Pooh knockoff, which is a great yeah, I Dude, I laughed so fucking hard, and, because, <laughs> and to be honest with you, the reason why I laughed so hard is... I hate to admit this, Pooge sounds like Spooge, and I, I couldn't help but laugh. <laughs> well, I think it was something like that, and John Mulaney, who is the voice of Chip, his delivery as they walk through that door, he goes, Pooge the honey bear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in his typical John Mulaney mannerisms, but yeah, mm. I I love that sequence way more than I thought I would. I, I burst out laughing when I watched, yeah. when I saw Pooge. Yeah, I just want to say pooch like ten times. It's, it's a fun. weird. It sounds weird and wrong. Yeah, that's why it's so good. Yeah, but yeah, I, I actually before I answer, Josh, I want to throw it to you. What do you What do you think about this? Were they cameos detracting, or were they enhancing the experience for you as well? I mean, I think they were enhancing for the most part because they were. They they were they were like old school cameos like like you'd see in stuff like like older comedies where it wasn't someone would just be there like not not doing they didn't anything have to be the focus of the scene yeah, yeah they would just be there and be like if you noticed it or not they were in the scene uh which I kind of like i was saying before there's this tendency to be like oh well we we paid to have this other person show up on our movie we, we we need to uh definitely make sure people notice it when they show up um it's impossible in a film like this but that's also kind of the point yeah yeah because there's, there's oh my god there's so many 
um just like it would it would grind to a halt if they if you drew attention to everything did mm. did either of you guys notice this is another really good one i wrote down in this universe canonically and it makes me want to live there um u.s senator butthead is a thing yes yeah Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah there, there are some good bits like that i yeah i absolutely love that mm-hmm. yeah good stuff it was good stuff yeah i i want to say this that like it didn't detract from the movie for me from the movie too much but there were a few times where i was thinking oh is this okay with disney oh is this okay with disney and it did pull me out of the experience a little bit at times when i was surprised by some of the cameos in there um mm. for sure and it made me think like wow disney let this happen disney let this happen this feels like a movie that was made in secret and then disney was like fine whatever <laughs> yeah yeah maybe that is the case i don't know but a few times it did pull me out of the experience but 90 i'd say 95 percent of the time i was just i was loving it I was loving every second of it. And I was always curious to see what character was going to be brought in next and how they were going to be woven into the plot. Though the Steen ceiling live action cameo is, is of course, Paul Rudd. I I did not expect that at all. That was such a good cameo. Uh, aunt man. Yeah. <laughs> My power was being super charming to aunts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And they have that movie poster for it in the credits. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Such oh. such a good fucking I did a second take on those credits on this watch uh too, and those credits heavily imply that a Rescue Rangers reboot does happen but adds Vin Diesel to the team, and I want to see that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well we're gonna get into that later. Don't <laughs> you worry about that. Don't you worry about that. That's coming. That's coming. Excellent. Excellent. Let's head to the next part before we get too far ahead of ourselves. Um, Chip and Dale visit Bjornsson the cheesemonger, Monty's cheese dealer, and asks about the Valley Gang. Being kidnapped from the shady underground cheese cellar, they are taken to the uncanny valley part of town and meet the gang's leader, Sweet Pete, an adult out-of-shape version of Peter Pan and his henchmen. Bob, a motion capture Viking dwarf, and Jimmy, a CGI polar bear. After some questioning, Pete realizes that the two chipmunks are investigating his operation. He tries to capture the pair, but the chipmunks escape. So actually, I didn't write this in the script, and I want to point this out to you guys really quickly. I don't know if you guys recently saw that uh, both... um, John Mulaney and uh, Andy Samberg co-hosted jimmy kimmel for an episode last week and they they were also each other's guests so they interviewed each other and when they showed a clip of the movie they showed the same exact clip which is this clip of uh chippendale escaping from sweet pete and his goons and just the way the clip is introduced was fucking hilarious um and they both pretended as if they didn't know what the clip was going to be and it is a really good bit. You guys should go back and watch that on YouTube if you guys are interested. It's a really funny um, bit that adds an additional layer to that scene for me. So when that scene came up, I was laughing my ass off thinking about that. But uh, anyways, back to the story. 
The two later share their discoveries with Ellie, learning that she is not in good standing with police captain Putty due to acting on a bad tip and raiding Nickelodeon Studios with disastrous results. The chipmunks sneak into a bathhouse with Ellie's help to steal Pete's fitness tracker in order to find his secret hideout. So there is a really meta moment here where they end up rapping to distract DJ... Oh, I'm going to try and pronounce this name. I apologize. I know I'm going to fuck it up. Herzo Gnarok, a snake DJ voiced by Flula Borg. Earlier in the movie, Chip was seen commenting on Alvin and the Chipmunks rapping on his TV, poking fun at them. And now they themselves are rapping to procure the fitness tracker. Josh, how great were the meta bits in this movie? Hit or miss at times. Like some of them, some of them are really good. And others kind kind of like was mentioning before seem like they kind of think they're going to be funnier than they actually are. And like, you're, you're really pausing for laughter here and it's not that funny. Um, Hmm. I see what you're saying. Yeah. But, uh, a, a, a lot of them, a lot of them really work cause they are just like, hit and move past it like it and i just i appreciate that uh like even even if you're laughing later while you mm. while you piece it together it just it helps with the pacing a lot better than you know having it sit there um that's fair i'm that's trying fair. to think I of can... examples of each but Anyway, um, well, let's let's throw it to Rich and maybe, yeah. maybe we can bounce off of him. What do you think, Rich? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of right there with Josh. I mean, I, it, it's harder to draw all the ones that didn't work because I my memory sticks more so with the ones that work. Like, I think the rap thing, they comment on it and the scene moves fast enough that like it works. Um, and the yeah, they, they don't harp on it too much. They don't yeah. like they don't drill that joke into the ground, so to speak. I, I also think the Seth Rogen laugh bit might be one of my favorite meta jokes. Oh, that was my so favorite. Dumb. Fucking yeah. God. The part where like, like the, the motion capture Viking dwarf falls down and then three more of Seth Rogen's characters pop up and they all start and they laughing. All like, like, the, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That it just, shit it just happens and keeps amazing. going. That was probably yeah. one of the best meta jokes in there. Um, yeah. yeah. Having it's, that many cartoon characters that are all Seth Rogen. Yeah, and and also like you know doing that and also harping on the what's funny about Seth Rogen that we can make fun of his weird fucking laugh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was it was very hammed up in the most brilliant way possible. No, I really liked a lot of the meta bits and um, one of I guess one of it's kind of meta. I wouldn't call it as meta, I guess, as some of the other jokes. But one of the ones that landed really well for me was uh when chip is coming home from work and he pulls his headphone his little airpods out of his ears and it's playing laid to rest by lamb of god i was yeah. <laughs> i was immensely surprised by that because that song says has the word fuck in it a bunch and i was like wow how did they get away with this on a children's show granted they didn't say fuck in the lyrics um in the in the movie but you know i was I like- surprised because you know there's going to be like one or two kids that are going to be like what Go song is that? that? I want to hear that. I just like the idea that Chip is listening to metal in his downtime. Yeah. Right. Like the, the character least likely to do that. 
Yeah, it's um and yeah, and if it wasn't clear that I like the rap bit, I've already referenced it like three times in this podcast. You have, you have, yeah. yeah. I I Disney has been doing that joke for a while. The the person you don't expect is listening to metal and it 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 works yeah. so well especially with those Disney Pixar characters. <laughs> Um, Especially when yeah. you don't harp on it, like that's just the thing. Like it's a thing that happened, and now we're moving on to it. There's no need to comment. Yeah, on like it or... like in Monsters, you where where the where the guy's mom is like driving them somewhere. It's like, okay, I'll be waiting for you in the car, listening to my tunes. And they all get out, and as the doors close, you hear just the heaviest metal come yep. on as the doors close, and the car starts shaking. It's it's a good bit. It's a yeah. really good bit. It works yeah. well. Perfect. I. uh I I also like when Chip comes home and you ex- when he's saying oh I can't go out tonight you know I got to go home to I can't remember to Millie Millie to mm-hmm. Millie and you expect Millie to be his wife or something and it's this fucking oversized dog mm-hmm. there's there's a bit later too with that where uh, well actually earlier when they're in the van um, and uh, Chip is saying how he has to go home to Millie and I. <laughs> Then uh, uh, Dale says something about, oh, if she's pretty or whatever. He goes, Millie's a dog. And she goes, I'm sure she's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I laugh so hard at that. I laugh so hard at that. I also, if you don't mind me slipping it in here, because while we're on the the Peter Pan Pan thing, I wanted to ask you guys, because I read this earlier, and I'm curious if either of you were aware of this. Um, There were some interviews with the director talking about, like, you know, decisions on adding cameos and things like that. Hmm. it, they ended up going with a Disney character, which is why Peter Pan made the most sense as the, you know, the villain. Um, hmm. Do you know who his second choice was, but they didn't want to jump through the licensing hoops for, for an adult ca- version of a ch- children's character? Mickey I Mouse? Think... No, they they would have had the rights to Mickey Mouse. No, no, no. I think but I, I mean, read, like, but I can't remember. I don't know. It feels like it'd be more precious. It's a non-Disney character. Uh, uh-huh. It was Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown was who uh, they first wanted to do. I didn't read that. That would have been awesome. I think Peter it would have been hard to age him pick. up in, in sure a way that's noticeable. The internet. Considering he I'm, already has a comb over, I think you got to add like a five o'clock shadow situation. Yeah. and really, really focus on the gut. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, like he looks like an old man as a five-year-old. It, or I guess yeah. as a ten-year-old. I, I don't know exactly how old, but yeah. As like the amalgamation bit could have literally turned his head into like. Hey Arnold, because you know how uh, what's her name? Yeah, Lucy is that her name? Who always pulls the football out? Yes, is, or is that his sister? That's I can't remember. well, Lucy's not his sister, but I don't, Lucy's whoever. Linus's sister. Oh, Linus's, yeah, 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 the one who pulls the football out, Lucy. Lucy, yeah, it would have just been a, a a nod to that, but no, that would have been cool. Actually, speaking of the director, uh. A, Akira, I think, is his first name. I can't. I can never pronounce his last name. So that's Schaefer? a meta bit too, because he's he's in a comedy troupe with Andy Samberg, uh, Lonely Island, and they are a rap triad with uh, another guy. So the fact that Andy Samberg is actually rapping and he can't rap very well um, at, as Dale in the Chipmunks was pretty funny. And there's some history there. So, I mean, that in itself was was also a little bit of a meta bit. Yeah. Also, the director of Pop Star Never Stop Stopping, a movie that people hate that I love. Yeah, I did not enjoy that movie at all. <laughs> I tried to like that movie. I could not get into it. But um, there are so many meta bits. I love 
I love when they go to Uncanny Valley and then they start talking about the weird 2000s animation style. The, give me them Polar Express eyes. Yes. <laughs> that was one of the best lines. Ugh. Are you looking at me, or are you looking over there? I'm clearly looking at you. No, you can't really tell. Yeah. There were so many good meta bits. The the cats from Cats uh, fighting in the alleyway. I, Dude, I laughed so fucking hard when I saw that. Rich, I have to admit, please tell me if you did this as well. I looked to see if they had buttholes. Yeah, no, it's... Here's the thing, though, man. Like... We would have to do a longer bit if it was the one with buttholes, because if we want to acknowledge the status quo of this universe, the butthole ones should have been the ones that got fired, like Ugly Sonic. Mm-hmm. Right. And recast. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I, I love that, too, when they get to like that part of the factory where it's like that um, they buy those old toys and trinkets that didn't work out. And it's like the Shrek body scrub. The Shrek body wash. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah. So great. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's get back. Let's get back into the story. They trace Pete's movements to a dock warehouse, though it is already abandoned by the time the police arrive. Inside, they find a large operating machine designed to alter Toon's bodies along with a collection of Toon parts. They locate Monty's mustache, but they find nothing else. At the police station, the pair argue over the loss of Monty and their past quarrels. It seems as if their investigation is going nowhere when they suddenly smell the scent of Monty's cologne. Rescue Rangers brand cologne that smells like, quote, almond butter and gasoline, end quote. They suspect that there is a double agent in the police force, and it likely is Ellie. The two flee the station. At the ongoing fan con, they try to convince Ugly Sonic to ask his FBI contacts for help, to which he says he can't do. Pete and his henchmen arrive, having tracked Dale using his Instagram live. In the ongoing chase, Bob is restrained by Tigra, a superheroine from the Marvel con- comics, and Lumiere, the anthropomorphic candelabra from the Beauty and the Beast, but Chip is caught by Jimmy and taken to the warehouse. Ellie is also lured there by Captain Putty, revealing he is the double agent and part of the Valley Gang. He has been covering for Pete, including giving Ellie the false tip. So Josh, what did you think about the little twist of Putty being the double agent? I mean, it kind of didn't really feel like a twist. I mean, that kind of seem fairly obvious the, the, the corrupt you know boss mm. you know, it's, it's, that's kind of that's kind of par for the course for a buddy cop movie which is basically what this is um right so i'm like Other okay performance from jk simmons as putty though yeah um yeah like I, not not super surprising um but then again i kind of feel like it it still works like it's 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 uh you know it doesn't need to surprise you it's doing other things it's well got enough yeah there's it. there's so much going on kind of all over you can do you can do a pretty standard you know story structure and it's still it's fine like it 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 does the job it's it's kind of there to 
be a vehicle for delivering jokes, which I think is something a lot of comedies try too hard on, and you end up with just completely incoherent plots. Plot, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it was you know still That's fun, fair. still fun, and and I I liked that uh, because of that you end up having the you know. Hmm. claymation character be someone that you get to do more the, fight scenes with because of that which is just that's that's fun from an animation standpoint uh so it, it yeah made it made it more so, fun to watch because right. of those decisions you guys reminded me too with that another good meta bit is uh when they're at the crime scene initially and putty takes a fingerprint on his hand and then just cuts the piece of his hand off and bags it mm-hmm yeah, I did. I did yeah, like, like that. Like you silly putty. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I got to be honest with you guys. Because it's a movie geared towards children, yeah. I thought that they'd go with a simple twist of Ellie being the double agent. Mm. But I, I think for me personally, this movie did a good job of kind of with being meta and subverting expectations that I didn't expect Captain, Captain Putty as much. Mm. So I thought they were going to go for like this really simple twist. Yeah, I... I, I... My two options there, given it's a buddy cop movie, are it's Putty, because he's the, you know, head detective there, or it's Monterey Jack. Like, those those are your two options, given making mm. this a by-the-book buddy cop movie thing going on there. But um, it yeah. makes sense that they wouldn't have done that to Monterey Jack, just for uh, if if they want to do anything else with the brand. Um, yeah, and also, like, I don't think there would have been enough buildup for why he would have been involved. Like, would it have been an insurance fraud case or something like that? You know, they didn't. There's not enough buildup there for that. So, that yeah, it makes sense. Your reason being an insurance salesman. <laughs> yeah, it would have been. It would have been a cool little twist on that. Then, yeah, for sure. But now, I think they did a good job of kind of like, for me and probably other stupid people like me, <laughs> um, <laughs> surprising us with uh, that. Mm. little twist there you paid for your whole seat but you only needed the edge mm-hmm. that's right <laughs> hey that's right all right guys well we're gonna do what we usually do here the mad dash to the end this is the last bit of story before we reflect on what we just read about or talked about or watched whatever the watched case with our be. eye holes that's right our eye holes viewed Sweet Pete has Ellie call Dale to lure him to the warehouse, but Ellie manages to give him a coded message using Rescue Rangers episodes. It's about time Through some him. hilarious deductive reasoning, Dale realizes Ellie is in trouble. He reaches out to Gadget and Zipper, his former co-stars who are now married with children, for help. Dale enters the warehouse using a firework, which gets lodged into the machine and stops it before it can be used on chip. The machine goes haywire, transforming Pete into a giant amalgamation of various tunes and Jimmy into a fairy. Ellie and Putty have an interesting and brutal fight. Ellie defeats Putty and Pete chases Chip and Dale through the warehouse, revealing it to also be where the bootlegs are filmed. The chipmunks lure Pete to the docks. Trapped, they use a ploy from their show to trap him. The FBI led by Ugly Sonic, arrive to arrest Sweet Pete. They provide a distraction, and Chip and Dale employ their trap successfully. 
It seems as if Pete is defeated and detained. He breaks free, however, and fires a cannonball at Chip, but Dale blocks it with his body, and he falls unconscious. Chip fears Dale is dead and apologizes for his behavior over the years. He reveals that when he introduced himself to Dale, he was also a loner, afraid to go to school. As much as Chip saved Dale that day, Dale, in fact, also saved Chip. After the revelation, Dale regains consciousness and reveals he was protected by a golden pog chip that Chip gave him. The chipmunks free all the bootlegged tunes, including Monty, and the rescue rangers reunite. Dale introduces them to Ellie, who decides to open her own detective agency. As the team departs, Dale again proposes a Rescue Rangers reboot, but Chip insists on seeing the script first. The end credits show the Valley Gang in prison, Monterey Jack restored to normal, and the Rescue Rangers reboot being released to great success. So I want to point out a few qualities of this movie. First, the animation. There were so many different animation styles in here, and they were mixed in with the live action. Rich, what did you think of this choice to include many different animation styles throughout many different decades of animation? I think it, it plays brilliantly. I mean, like, to, to as I said earlier, how, like, I look at this as, like, a sequel to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like, that movie proved that this concept works taking all sorts of like past and modern animation in this one and just doing everything you can uh, just proves the concepts even more stunning to look at now. Um, also for, cause I don't even think we like touched on this idea, but there's a, a bit early on that like Dale had CGI reconstructive surgery. So while chip is traditional animation, Dale is CGI animation and just having them be two startlingly different art styles is a choice that like, I feel like was probably a tough sell, but it really works in, in a funny way. Yeah. That was another meta yeah. bit I wanted to mention, but I figured it could also be mentioned here. So I kind of left it to you, this point. So I'm glad you, you brought you, it up. You also reminded me of one there, Shay, that I completely had forgotten about when they do the the pipe bit to get the birds to come and it cuts to the bird in his birdhouse being woken up by a phone ringing and his wife being like, it's the middle of the night. (laughs) I forgot about that, actually. I told you, honey, this is my job. (laughs) That was such a good bit because I was so confused by what the hell was going on because they're. And then I'll, they're, like, bashing each other, and I was like, what the fuck are if, they yeah, doing? If, as someone who probably didn't watch a lot of it, Shay, that's literally how, like, every episode of Rescue Rangers ends with Dale getting hit in the head and the birds distracting Fat Cat. That makes so much more sense now, but, like, it made sense once the birds finally appeared. I was like, oh, okay, I got it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, Josh, same question. What did you think of the, the choice of mixing animation styles with the live action? I mean, I think it was fine. I honestly don't think it's as impressive as Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Rabbit. Uh, so much harder to do back then. Well, A, it was harder why. to do back then. B, they made a point of intentionally doing a few things difficultly just to make it really stand out when it was being done well. And uh, there are a few times because of in those this... choices, that still holds up. Yeah, I mean, obviously in this one... You're not you're not doing a 
live action character along with an animated character so you don't have to do that for almost every scene uh there are big swaths of this where it's like oh yeah this is all cg it's it's just way easier to do it that way um yeah and then you know it's more obvious when there are humans in a scene uh a few times a few times painfully so like they should have done another take and or just some uh there's a during that bathhouse scene there's there's like an establishing shot where they're kind of panning the hallway and you know a, a live action character comes out a door and an animated character goes in beside them and he mm. just like squishes to get past them because the live action person did not Account react to that person there, there. Yeah. and then the animated character didn't pause and wait to go in behind like I I understand that if you wanted to do it the right way, you would have needed someone, like, behind the door to hold it so the animated character would have then needed, you know, looked like they were propping it open or something. Mm. That step wasn't taken, and it's just one of the wonkiest-looking shots I've seen. And and it's, it's like... There are a couple major whiffs like that. Uh, where instead of having the humans actually react to the characters or vice versa, uh, they they just look like they're kind of superimposed. Uh, it's it, it's really hard to completely avoid that. I was actually yeah. I was actually doing a rewatch of season two of Stranger Things last night, actually in preparation for season four to come out. Yeah, and I don't know if you guys remember this. This is where um, Dustin first introduces them to Dart. Um, yeah the little demo dog in the in the av club room and he pulls dart out and they're all like holding him and they're like oh he's slimy and they're all all obviously reacting to nothing in their hand and it's so fucking obvious that they're trying to and it's it's next it's really really hard to be that convincing when you're reacting when you have a real prop yeah it's it's really hard, and there are moments similar to like Josh, what you're saying, similar to that in this in this uh, movie, where it's clear that live action actors are reacting to whether nothing it's a tennis all. ball or there's nothing there. At times. Yeah, but again, it, like it feels like it's again, and then there's stuff like the fight scene with Putty, and I'm like, they did great making sure that all of that worked together well. Yeah, um, that looked so realistic. I was it, really impressed by that. Yeah, and, and I th- I think the thing th- the note is like when as we were saying the like Who Framed Roger Rabbit comparison, it's in that movie it was more important to make sure that stuff was perfect because when you look at the plot of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, it has two leads and they are Roger Rabbit and Bob Hodgkins. Yeah, this movie like arguably Ellie is a lead. But there's still a lot more scenes that are just Chippendale than are her Chippendale. Like, she's definitely a lead character, but she's not a constant in every single scene. I, You know, I would yeah. I would push back against that. I would say, obviously, Chippendale are the lead characters, but I would say she's totally. the main foil protagonist character. Y- I yeah, would say. she'd... If this... I mean, it's not identical, but this is kind of a trope from somewhat in buddy cop but also more in like a like noir kind of pulling from that into mm. the detective genre 
Right. Like, she's more of a love interest, but who just is not, like, obviously they're not playing them like a love interest in this, but, like, given the the screen time and the sort of role they fill in it, mm. it's it's the character that, oh, I really want to trust this person, like... Uh, yeah, you're rooting for them to not be the to not be double crossing you, but then they kind of like give you every reason, like oh no, they're they're definitely double crossing you, like all these like, well, plot hints leading towards that. But let's in, let's in my go. Opinion: the only oh, I'm sorry, go on, chair. I was gonna say let's go on that tangent. And we'll come back to like the animation styles because okay. I think that is a really important thing to point out here. Um, it's not something that we get to point out that often. Is that most movies don't pass the Bechtel test and this one actually um it does pack I believe does pass does the it? Bechdel test at least in regards to this where that the main characters there's no like actual love interest the female character the main one that's introduced Ellie I don't remember no two women ever there. talking to each other in this film that that that's the one thing I was trying to think about because I she might actually talk to um Gadget Gadget yes I think she does talk to to Gadget towards the end of the movie. I don't know if they talk to each other. Gadget talks, talks to that's her. That's true. That's true. And it's not a one-on-one. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm yeah. wrong on that. Never mind. I mean, the thing I do like about it, though, is that there, which is so, it's such a heavy trope, like you're saying, Josh, in detective movies and noir movies, that there is a love interest. And I'm glad that they decided not to go that route and they subverted that so it's not complete passing of the Bechdel test but it does subvert that which I'm I was really happy about I was like that's the last thing this movie needs we're able to actually focus on the dynamic of Chip and Dale and um this super fan that ends up becoming a friend and uh and an assistant in some ways but can we all agree that the most important human character in this movie is Chris Parnell as Dale's agent I did like that. I did like that cameo a lot. I wish he had more screen time. But. Yeah, no, it made you go like, oh, I wish he had more. Like, even if we had, like, flashback to him on the phone in the 80s when Dale has that call, just give me more Chris Parnell in anything. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. But um, to go back to the animation style stuff, I really did enjoy the animation styles a lot. Like like Rich said, I really enjoyed that bit. I thought there was a lot to like about it. And I was a little bit skeptical of it, honestly, after seeing um, that clip, actually, I referenced that uh, Andy Samberg and John Mulaney showed off on Jimmy Kimmel. Mm-hmm. I was a little bit skeptical because I have seen one other movie that has this style where it is like animation meets live action. And I'm not sure if you guys have seen it. It's called Cool World. Have We're you... not here to talk about Cool World. Fuck <laughs> oh my! But we should do a podcast about Cool World. <laughs> God, no one would tune in for that one. But uh, for those of you that don't know what Cool World is, and I'm glad that, you... yeah, congratulations! It came out in 1992. It stars Brad Pitt and Kim Basinger, um, and it is a about a female femme fatale who escapes her comic book pages to try and seduce her um her design or not designer her animator yeah and it was a fucking terrible movie it was god awful the art um, design it, in that is much more striking though cuz they're they're really going for a whole thing 
they're going not, for they're going for a vibe and yeah it's, they, it's that's very the much only that redeemable sort of... quality about the movie is the the yeah. vibe of the animation style but man did that movie bomb in the box office too it's just fucking trash of a movie cool world is the movie that asks what if who framed roger rabbit was creepy and it sucked and it was a it was a one note dirty joke that fucking flops yeah, yeah it's bad so like when i saw this animation style was gonna be you know cartoon meets live action i i i couldn't help myself but i immediately went to instead of going to who frame roger rabbit i immediately went to cool world and i was like you know like a normal person Mm -hmm. yeah i know (laughs) i was like fuck i don't know if this is gonna be good and it it definitely went to the worst case scenario i did i did and what i like about it is that it it's so referential in such a funny and cute way of animation throughout the years my one gripe with the way they went about this is they didn't include like the steamboat willy style whether it would have been like cuphead um from the game or just like an old mickey mouse or something i would have loved to seen a steamboat willy reference in there i think the closest we got is uh when they're coming out of the raid one of the uh news reporters is like an old timey cartoon and yeah. she has a throwaway line which i enjoy is like uh captain putty black and white news corp why is there gum stuck to your back <laughs> i did like that i i did like that bit yeah i mean that yeah you're right that is as close as we got to it so guess i can't be that dissatisfied so uh josh what did you think of the overall casting both in live action and voice I mean, given it was obviously, obviously, a lot of the Disney voice actors are going to be able to come back because they were funding it. Um, yeah, like Lumiere's voice actor came back. It was nice that they actually got the original voice actors for so many of these characters. Uh, I think you know, with the exception of some of them who are no longer living. Um, hmm. But yeah, it was like it's it's really nice having the original voice cast come back and so often, at least for a long time, on things like this, you just you get the license for it, and no one would care about getting the original voice actor for these characters. And I think it was really important if they're going to do this love letter to a cartoon from the you know eighties and nineties that they get those voice actors and that was really neat um with the exception of i do like the idea that like chip and dale obviously you get john mulaney and andy sandberg two huge very popular comedians and then have the bit be that like their super high chipmunk voices are actually them like doing an accent in the cartoon because they're hollywood actors yeah yeah i i like that i um actually before i go in ugly sonic standout Yes. That, yeah, that was so yes. good. He's he's before I go that, in on that. That voice made that design work. <laughs> when when I read that Tim Robinson's voice would be coming out of Ugly Sonic, I was like, yeah, that that makes sense. That checks out. Yeah. Yeah. Rich, what did you think of the performances? Uh, I mean, across the board, like we were kind of just saying, their killer voice cast. Um, Seth Rogen, another good standout there. Um, Will Arnett as. Uh, <laughs> Peter Pan is really good. Yeah. Like there's not a a ton of uh, JK Simmons as putty. Another, like the, the voice cast is absolutely killer. Like, um, 
there's not a whole lot of like big names in live action because that's not at all the focus. But everyone like they got names for the voice performances, and I think everybody brings a certain charm to uh, their respective characters. So that that stuff across the board, I think, is great. Yeah, yeah. I want to say a quick shout out to Kiki Lane who played Ellie. She did such yes. a fantastic job, and I wish that. Um, I understand because she's a little bit lesser known of an actor, but I wish she got a little bit more upfront notoriety for that. I, I should also say, because it, as you, you say, pointing her out, Shay, like it is worth noting kudos to her because she's just standing in a room talking to a bunch of cartoon characters. And as an actor, that cannot be easy to do. Yeah. She's talking to no one. Like, I'm sure there are people there reading to help her with the delivery when they're recording, whether they're out of shot or however they're doing it. But that's still really hard to do. And she nails it so well. Yeah, she's she's great. She's absolutely great. Yeah. Um, a couple of the other uh, performances that you guys didn't point out that I want to point out is Eric Bana as Monterey Jack killed it. Yes. Um, I already mentioned Flula Borg. Dennis Haysbert as Zipper, which you guys will yes. know Dennis Haysbert as the uh, Allstate commercial guy. Um, Keegan Michael Key as Bjornsson, um, the the cheese guy. Um, I I had forgotten about this until I just read the cast again. That random appearance of Paula Abdul in the 1990s party scene when uh, Chip and Dale are celebrating. She's at the DJ table. I was like, what the fuck is she doing in here for five seconds? It was the 90s. Yeah. I guess that, that adds to it. I mean, Paulo Abdul will never escape the 90s, unfortunately. No, she's trapped there forever because yep. of the wizard's curse. That's true. But yeah, and then obviously Paul Rudd being in there for a cameo. Some of the, uh, yes. like Josh said, the original voices for some of those characters. It was really cool to see. Like when I heard, first heard Lumiere's voice, I was like, oh, damn, they got the original voice actor. That's fucking cool. Yeah. you know, It's one of those things where like I, f- I feel like uh, when I was looking at that, if they couldn't get the original voice actor, they probably would have gone with the 3D animated version and gotten Ewan McGregor rather than try and fake it. Mm. Um but I'm glad they they got to do what they got to do. Yeah, yeah. So happy about that. Um, Would you guys actually want to see a sequel of this movie? And if so, what would you want them to do plot-wise going forward? Um, Either one of you can jump in on that. I've been thinking about this, and while I'm not opposed to the idea, I don't necessarily think it's a good idea because I can't quite answer the second question. I don't know what it would be. Like, because this movie's so satirical, like, I don't know where you go with it after this. I don't know what kind of story you do. I mean, I I feel like they kind of set that up in a roundabout way with um, Ellie saying that she was going to be- go become a private eye after this. Like, oh, it's just... They're gonna, the, the, the three of them, the or crime. maybe the, the entire Rescue Rangers crew and, Vin and Ellie and Vin Diesel are, you know, solving some <laughs> other random animation related crime or something sure mm. um whether i want to see that or not eh, depends I, I on the script as chip said yeah like i don't really have a a mighty need uh for that but i like you sh- shake your fist as you said mighty need that added oh, of course. to it i I just I hope this does well enough in the studio's eyes that like the idea of doing that is something that's on the table because I really enjoyed this movie. 
I would I would absolutely like you guys said if they do the script correctly I would love to see a sequel where they focus more on Ellie getting her detective agency started up and granted the three of them end up working together but it's more of a focus on Ellie I would think that would be a really cool thing to see I think that'd be um, the direction you'd take it from here right and yeah. on top on top of that with with um it being the second movie they could really dig deep into a lot of like the noir and buddy cop films um and they could just satirize more of the tropes like i think of like beverly hills cop 2 they could just pull from that for example they could pull a lot of bits um from that um for example or rush hour 2 i think things like that they could go they could pull from the well of sequel buddy cops and i think they could make something really fun and interesting leaning harder in the noir direction also is just leaning harder in making roger rabbit again (laughs) yeah yeah but still Still uh, not yeah. a bad idea. Yeah, as long as they didn't like retread a lot of ground, because they 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 if you think about it, it's about an hour and thirty minute movie, and they cover a ton of ground in that hour and thirty minutes. That it's really it well co- paced. It is very well paced, and I, it could be difficult to do a, a sequel without rehashing some old ground. And I wouldn't be opposed to that if they did it in a smart and interesting way and from what i saw from this movie i do have hope of that but as i think this was a meta comment unto itself when they said um i when chip said i don't want to see a script first i think that was a very meta comment in a lot of ways yeah so i i'm Mm -hmm. i'm oh i'm really open to it um because yeah i was so so surprised by this movie and that's going to lead us into our final question, um, which is the same question we ask at the end of every one of these uh, Chomping After Dark episodes. Would you recommend this? And um, I'm going to actually go first, which is something I don't usually do because it uh, transitions off of my last comment really well. I absolutely would recommend this movie. Uh, exceeded my expectations by far. Um, I was constantly enjoying slash laughing smiling throughout this movie Uh, i wanted to see what was going to happen next as rich said it was so well paced um the performances were phenomenal the animation styles the 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 mix up and mashing of them was well done the plot was really interesting surprisingly despite how simplistic it was absolutely recommend this movie so uh josh would you recommend this movie yeah for just kind of a it feels kind of like a nondescript comedy, I guess, by the by the time you're done with it, just with the pace of the jokes and kind of the overall kind of weightlessness of it. Hmm. Like this is this is not a movie you're you're you know uh, super worried about the stakes or or you know the 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 plot or everything you're here to have a good time with it and it really does that really well um so like if you kind of know that going into it which given something based on an old property sometimes can feel like what am i getting into like is this is this gonna be more than i was really bargaining for coming into a comedy and and it's not that um like this is just a very light fun movie and it it's great at that so yeah i I would recommend it kind of on on that level it's a great movie Mm. to sit around with some friends 
you know, just have a good time watching. Yeah, and I actually have like kind of an additional offshoot of that because you you have Kazuo who you've been watching it with all week. It's yeah. pretty enjoyable for children as well. So it's like there's something there for literally everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's not getting you know all the references to all these old cartoons or anything. Um, mm. Just kind of enjoying it for what it is. Um, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I think it's I think it's great. Uh Rich close it yeah. out for us. Same here man. Uh I mean when I remember when people were first talking about this being a thing and when I was told John Mulaney and Andy Samberg doing a Chippendale movie I was like sure I'll watch that that sounds funny enough. But I think it surpassed every expectation I had. It is it feels like a movie that would not get made in 2022 yet somehow here we are. And I just it's incredibly funny if you don't have Disney Plus, I'm sure you can fucking steal a free trial somewhere. Go steal a free trial and watch this movie. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree with that. So, um, yeah, I mean, check it out. Check this movie out. It's a lot of fun. It's great for all age ranges. And I know a lot of, like, places say that there's fun for the whole family. This really is the case where that is absolutely true. As an adult man who watched it alone, it's fun for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> that can mean so many different things. But um yeah, check check this movie out. Highly recommend it. But um that's gonna do it. Do you guys have any final comments on the movie before we get out of here? I I would never in a million years eat whale. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Thank you. Thank you for pointing that out, Rich. But um, I just want to say really quickly, um, if you enjoyed this episode, um, obviously this is going up on the main feed, our uh, Chompcast feed. Uh, The reason why this has gone up on the main feed, no, it is not a mistake. We have taken this week off. We decided we needed a week off, so we recorded this um, pretty early in advance. Uh, I'm at the zoo right now. Well, yeah, Rich is, if you're hearing this, Rich is drunk at a zoo. Um, I don't know where I'm at, and Josh is probably, hopefully, bathing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. But, uh, yeah, but if you want more content from us, uh, obviously, this is usually the feed for the Chomp cast. But you can check out episodes like this Chomping After Dark episode at SwordChomp.com, where we have three more podcasts, such as Chomping After Dark, Um, we have evoking the sublime and we have chomping at the bits, all very different podcasts. Um, also about gaming and nerd culture, things of that nature. Um, we also have an article section where, um, we review games and we just have small think pieces up there. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, Ray, a part-time contributor has gotten up a recent article about JRPGs and Rich will have a, a, another review or two going up here very soon. Um, there's two previews in, in the canon right now. So previews for early access titles, but there you go. There you go. Review is probably the wrong word there, but, um, you can go ahead and check those out by the time this podcast episode is up. Uh, we have a merch store where you can check some stuff out. By the time you're hearing this, uh, we have some new pet products with our logos and stuff up there. Um, so you can check that stuff out. If you want to buy some sword chomp merch for your pets, and uh, last but not least, you can access our Patreon page from the site or at patreon.com slash swordchomp, which gets you more content um, for your money. So uh, I'll leave it at that. You know what Patreon is. Everyone and their mother has one. I'm not going to 
sit here and give you the long spiel other than just saying that if you join us, be very much appreciated. So, but that's going to do it. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. It really was a lot of fun. I was so excited to wake up this morning and just talk with these two and Cosmo too about this wonderful movie. So, uh, I want to say a special thank you to Cosmo for joining us for his first ever podcast episode with us. I want to say thank you to Josh for not only um, bringing your son on, but uh, you yourself being on the episode. Mm. And I want to say thank you to Rich for being on the episode as well. Aye, aye. And I don't think I ever introduced myself at the beginning of the show, now that I realize that. I was your host, Shay. <laughs> thank you, mysterious stranger. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Next week, we'll be back with our normal uh, program of the Chopcast. But uh, this was Chopping After Dark. Hopefully, you enjoyed this one-off episode. Thank you so much, and take care out there.